Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builders University. Now, if you're the boss, you might as well be a damn good one. And one of the best ways to do it is to educate yourself. If you go to bossbuildersuniversity.com, you'll see some of the courses that we offer for you. The newly promoted supervisor, the supervisor who is struggling, or those of you thinking about making that big transition to being the boss. Lots of great online programs there. I encourage you to check it out. Go to bossbuildersuniversity.com. Our guest today is an executive coach. He is a leadership consultant. He is a retired naval officer. He's got a lot of experience, but his really big thing is helping people through transition. And of course, right now, we are at a time and a place where there's a ton of transition going on. Dennis has some really good strategies for helping you kind of get things together, to get a plan to move forward. He is a very learned guy, an avid reader, does a lot of really good references to historical background things, and so I know you're going to really enjoy him. So why don't we quit talking about Dennis? Let's talk to him. Let's meet our special guest, Dennis Volpe. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Dennis Volpe, welcome to the show. Hey, Mac, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to chat with you today. No, it's it's a great privilege for me because it's not all that often I get to talk to a fellow sailor, and uh, I live near Fort Campbell, so I'm a kind of a in a strange place near an army town, and so every now and then it's good to talk to somebody with a similar background. We were connected, I believe, through a fellow veteran, and it seems like. Veterans are really developing really strong networks, and so I'm really glad that we were able to connect and you could be with us this morning. So you are an executive coach. You're a leadership consultant. You're an executive performance coach. You know a lot about leadership. You write about leadership. You teach about leadership. And I want to talk about all of those things, but it wouldn't be proper to talk about them until we find out who you are. So Dennis, Tell us about your journey. Take us back to the beginning. I want to hear about your service because that's always important. And where did you learn some of these lessons from? Sure, Mac. I, again, I appreciate the opportunity. You know, I started my military journey on the banks of the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, so I went to I went to the Naval Academy, and uh, during my time at the at the Naval Academy, had the opportunity to you know be in the presence of some amazing people both my contemporaries as well as officers who provided some amazing examples. And uh, from there, I was a career surface warfare officer and had the opportunity to, again, spend time with sailors and officers who were amazing and did amazing things. And uh, had the opportunity to go back to the Naval Academy as a leadership development instructor and uh, ethics facilitator and uh, rugby coach. So I got to teach emerging leaders about leadership and my experiences at sea as a junior officer in the morning. Uh, sometimes at lunch, you had the opportunity to talk about ethics. And then in the afternoons, I got to coach rugby. So you really couldn't beat it. And Jeez, I, had no, I had no idea. We didn't talk about that. So a rugby coach as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a great opportunity. Um, not only because of the opportunity I had 
to interact with the midshipmen in terms of imparting some of my experience, some of my insight, some of my perspective on the future leaders of our Navy and our Marine Corps, but also the opportunity to interact with the other officers. And I think about you know one of the most highly effective teams I've been a part of, and it was that coaching staff. And I, and I say that because some of the guys that were on that coaching staff, unfortunately, some are actually in the history books, um, but other ones are actually making history in terms of where they are in their career uh, as, as a general officer in the Marine Corps, as a senior naval officer in charge of all things training in the naval special warfare community to making a huge difference in, in the corporate space. So... It was just amazing. It was an amazing opportunity. And uh, then I uh, went on to be a department head uh, on a guided missile cruiser and uh, had the opportunity to, to work with some amazing people again and got to see some different things that I hadn't seen during my junior officer days. And uh, during, during that time, I really started thinking about, well, what, what do I need to do next? And, you know, as a surface warfare officer, you always think about command. And uh, but there at the time, there was that opportunity to to do something different. And uh, after my department head tour, I went to the Naval Command and Staff College to take care of some required uh, you know career milestones in terms of joint pro- professional military education. And then, like to say, I went on a uh, Navy appreciation tour uh, with the Army and I would be an operational planner in Afghanistan. And uh, while I was there, had the opportunity to not only serve with some amazing Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, but also some international partners to really understand what that's all about. And during my time there, I got I got screened for command. And uh, then I went uh, to be an executive officer and a commanding officer. And uh, and then after that, went to a uh, a regional command, Naval Forces uh, Southern Command, as the director of uh, future operations for cent- for maritime activities in Central and uh, South America. So, if I were to give you the the brief, you know, bottom line up front about my military career, I had the amazing opportunity to work with sailors and officers who were really committed to a mission. And were really committed to something larger than themselves and impacted me in a way that I can't describe. How many total years were you active duty? 20 years, one month and seven days, if you want to be completely accurate. Plus, uh, people don't understand that about military folks. We count down sometimes to the minute, right? Right. Yeah. Well, that, that is quite a powerful career in just 20 years. So, Dennis, at what point... Did you know what you were going to do once you retired? Uh, And that's a great question uh, because I didn't really know. And when you start thinking about what it, uh, what it, what I wanted to do, I really had to think about it. And when I started talking to people and telling people what I was passionate about, what my skill set was, and the problems that I really wanted to solve, then it was people in my network saying, "Hey, you know what?" you may want to consider going into executive coaching. And they didn't say executive coaching. They actually said coaching. Mm -hmm. So if we rewind the clock, Mac, it was, oh, yeah, 
you know what? I was a USA rugby certified coach. I know what that's all about. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, I was told, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about executive performance coaching and taking the leadership lessons and the organizational effectiveness lessons that you learned as a military officer and translating them into the corporate space, into the civilian sector, so people can really get the informed insight that you have and the experience perspective that you have. So that way you could really help them be better and do better. And I said, oh, okay. And that's when I started looking at coaching opportunities and decided that, you know what, as a military officer, certification matters, being Mm -hmm. trained and certified in something. And that's when I decided that I wanted to go to the uh, Columbia Executive Coaching Program and get certified as an executive coach. Okay. How long was that program? Uh, it was about a year, and wow. uh, there was there was academics, uh, you know, in person stuff, and then there was a, a virtual program uh, for about ten months, and and then a follow on in person uh, intensive academic piece. So there was an academic part part of it. There was a practical practicum part of it and an opportunity to to actually practice your craft. So this process, is it kind of a like a sequence that you go through and then you're able to add your experience and leadership as a companion to that? How does it kind of blend together? Well, when you when I think about the Columbia program, I thought about it in two different ways, Mac. One I wanted to be certified uh, through a program that made sense for me. Mm-hmm. And I also, I like to say frameworks make my brain work. And uh, so you, it gave me the opportunity to have a framework in order to allow people to understand who they are, understand what really matters to them, and then understand where they want to go. And as a, as a coach, I mean, that's what we do. We spend time really crystallizing what the current reality is, what the desired end state is, and then spending a lot of time in the gap in terms of, okay, this is where I am. This is where I want to go. How do I get there? And that's what a coach does. It help, you know, he or she is going to help you think differently, behave differently, and do differently so you could perform at your very, very best. I guess, I mean, I'm trying to think back in transition from military to civilian, because I had taught the executive tap at the Washington Naval Yard. And these were all 06 and above and E9s. And I would say probably 70% of them had no idea what they were going to do once they retired. I would ask them, I'd say, you know, what is it you'd like to do when you transition? Because we don't say retire. So, well, you know, I'd I'd really like to have my own business, but I'll probably end up in a GS position. Uh, Well, I'd really like to be a CFO somewhere, but I'll probably wind up as a business development, you know. And so I don't think anybody really had a plan. And then eventually they figured it out. And so you actually found something that resonated with you. How long did it take to really find this? You, you, how long were you transitioned out before you thought, oh my God, this is exactly what I want to do? Well, Mac, I would argue that I think I'm still in transition (laughs) uh, because I got the opportunity to work with the Leadership Research Institute a couple of months after I transitioned. Mm -hmm. And So I was in the leadership consulting space. I was in the executive coaching space, but I wasn't necessarily doing exactly what I wanted to do. And, uh, but how did I get there? Well, when I, 
reflected on my military career, you know, what was the most energizing part for me? Sure. You know, going to sea and getting missions done and, and doing all that stuff. Absolutely. But the opportunity to truly impact people on a personal level and unlock that human potential and see people get to where they want to go in both work and life is what energizes me. Mm. And I knew that if I had that opportunity, it was something that I really wanted to latch onto and make sure that I had the tools that I needed so I could really engage people on a personal level to get them to where they wanted to go. That's something that, you know, I've, I've been out now, gosh, I got out in 99. So it's been almost 20 years, over 20 years. But that's one thing that I have seen very different when I compare my time in the military to civilian is that in the military, we were always, it was a responsibility to essentially coach people, to be a career coach for people, to say, here, what do you want to do? And then the neat thing about a military career, it's compressed into, you know, 20, 25 years. So you could pretty much achieve what you want. But that's not the case on the outside. In most organizations that we work with, we try to train managers to do that. So it's interesting that that was one of the things you remembered the most is that ability to do that. And so that's kind of what you're doing today then, right? I would say so. And, uh, you know, one of the things that my military experience has taught me is that managers manage process. Leaders lead people. And if you want to lead people, you have to take an interest in who they are. You need to know who they are. You need to know what they value. You need to know what they want. And if you're truly a servant leader, you're going to provide them the tools that they need to succeed. And when I think about what a coach does, whether it's an executive performance coach or a transition coach, you know, or at least what I do is, is spend time focused on the individual, not, not necessarily focused on the issue that they have or the problem that they think they have, but focused on the individual and providing them that unfiltered accountability that they need so that way they could be their best self. Are they surprised, your clients, when that's the approach you take with them? Sometimes. And uh, I would say I, I shared this with a friend the other day because they, uh, they asked, well, what value do you provide to your clients? And um, some of them I've already talked about in terms of informed insight based on some of my certifications, some e experienced perspective. Really, because I know what success looks like, I know what success feels like, and I know what's required to be successful, but I also know what failure looks like. I know what failure feels like, but I also know how to recover from failure. And I've worked with good teams. I've worked with great teams. And I've also worked with not so good teams. So what do you need to think about there? And I provide focused effort because if I'm going to work with you and your team and your organization, you're absolutely going to get all of me. But it's that unfiltered accountability and that transparency that I think, Mac, a lot of people are surprised by. And uh, if it's okay to say, you know, I've been told that one of my superpowers is an incredible bullshit meter. That uh, <laughs> when when somebody starts talking about, well, this is what I think, and this is this is how it should be, and 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 everything else, and I said, well, if that's the way it should be, well, how come you're not doing it? 
you know, how come your words and your deeds don't match? And then we have a real conversation. Yeah, I would imagine so after the jaw gets picked up off the floor, huh? And it's about exploration mm-hmm. because very often, and, and you pointed it out, that you know, life is busy. Life is fast. Life is hard. And we don't spend the time to reflect on things as much as we should. And very often, unless we're forced to, we don't explore the things that we want to explore because we just want to get moving in a positive direction. But without that reflection, without that exploration, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was a kid who grew up on Long Island and good, bad, or indifferent. I was always a, a fan of the Yankees. And uh, Yogi Berra always said, or at least it was attributed to him, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up in the wrong spot. So if, you don't, you, if you don't take the time to really reflect and explore before you go, you may end up somewhere where you didn't plan to be. Yeah. So Dennis, what would the ideal client look like for you? Because I'm sure, I mean, do people get sent to you? Because I see that sometimes. Oh, we're going to send you this coach. He's going to get your head and your ass wired together correctly. Right. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, do you get that or do you do people sign up? And then, so when they do, I mean, what does a good fit look like? When I think about my, my ideal client, there needs to be a commitment to personal development. There needs to be a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset in terms of being curious, in terms of not being afraid to fail forward. And there needs to be an optimistic outlook. And I define optimism as being able to see and understand and accept reality and the obstacles and barriers that may exist, but have a can-do attitude around this is where I need to go. And these are the obstacles and barriers that I have to get over. But you know what? We'll get there. And the reason I use the term we is because if I'm part of your team, I'm going to absolutely empower you and equip you with the tools that you need to make that journey a little bit easier. And then there needs to be an action orientation. And I think about you know, a, a former client who had some of these, but not all of these. And after a while, there was no action. And finally, I just had to say, you know, I, I, I really enjoy our conversations, but I don't think I'm your ideal coach because all we're doing is talking. So, and it goes back, Mac, to that whole understanding of do your deeds and your words match? Because when you tell me that you're going to do something, my expectation as your trusted advisor in both work and life, that you're going to actually do them. And if you don't, I'm going to provide some unfiltered accountability and, uh, or I, I heard the, another term uh, recently, uh, relational transparency, uh, to provide you with, uh, with some uh, developmental feedback in terms of if this is where you want to go and this is really important to you and you said you're going to do it, why is there no action? Wow. So would you actually then just terminate an agreement with somebody? Yes, and yeah. I have. Wow. wow. Well, I mean, I guess... There's no sense taking a client's money if they're just in there for therapy or whatever else they see your meetings with, I guess, right? Well, when I think about, you know, my my personal values, you know, the top two are autonomy and impact. And when I think about autonomy, it's about being able to do the things I want to do with the people I want to do them with when I want to do them. And that's both work and life. 
But the second one is impact. And when I think about impact, it's really from a coaching perspective is giving my clients an opportunity for enlightenment and empowerment and equipping them with some insight and some perspective. And I use the word accountability to allow them to get to where they want to go. So that is kind of the executive performance piece of what you do. But talk to us about transition. Sure. You know, and, uh, you know, transition is all about change. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether you're moving from a military career or you're moving from, you know, one corporate job to another, or you're going from the corporate space to the nonprofit space, it's all about change management. And when you think about change management and and transition, well, there's your current state, there's the desired state, and then there's that transition state. And it's about really defining what transition is for you, because it's different for, for everybody else. And Mac, you highlighted your experience when you did tap class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the definitions for transition were different for each individual person. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to start my own business. Or, you know what? All I want to do is get a GS job because I'm looking for a paycheck right. or whatever it is. But defining what transition is and defining what success looks like and what success feels like is the first step in any transition conversation that I have. Because it's about having an objective and it's about understanding and being able to leverage your senses in terms of, well, what am I thinking about? But also, what do I want to feel? What do I want to believe? What do I need to know? What do I need to see, hear, and experience to know that I am where I want to be? Now, is that done through interview? Is it done through an assessment? How do you get that kind of information out of somebody? Having conversations. Does it? Okay. Are most people open to talking about those things? Sometimes. uh, And that goes back to, well, Dennis, who's your ideal client? Mm -hmm. And uh, there needs to be a commitment to personal development. And there needs to be some openness and vulnerability. And I think that's where the growth mindset comes from. And, you know, I don't use the words openness and vulnerability lightly. Uh, And the reason I don't is because, you know what? Openness and vulnerability has never been something that came easily to me. Um, So I don't use it lightly. And and it, it takes time. And the biggest thing is it takes trust. And that's why I like to say as a coach, I'm not just a coach, you know, my my desire, my objective, my mission really is to be a trusted advisor for you in both work and life. Okay. Well, we talked earlier before we went live here and we talked about crisis and you said something very powerful. You said crisis uncovers character. And so I want to transition a little bit using your word there to talk about where we are today. So in in most cases, I don't like to timestamp my podcast episodes, but I think this is a good time to do it. So we are in, you know, the middle to the end of June right now. And right now there's a lot of uncertainty. And I would imagine when you think about your days, when you were active duty, you probably in many cases had to operate in times of ambiguity. And because we know that 
a crisis uncovers character, what advice do you have for people right now who are in a leadership position and they're like, holy crap, I really don't know what to do next. I mean, are there some tools? Are there some techniques, some things that you can offer that you can suggest for a person that people are looking up to right now and there's nothing there? Sure. I think uh, think there's a couple of things to think about. And I like to take the stoic approach first. And what I mean by that is stoicism is something that I was introduced to as a midshipman at the Naval Academy. And uh, it was from Admiral Stockdale's experience as a prisoner of war during Vietnam. And really taking the time to pause and give yourself some space to say, okay, what really matters right now? And once you know what really matters right now, then what can I control and what can I influence? And figuring out where those two circles intersect, and that's where you focus your time, your energy, and your effort. Now, this isn't going to be easy for somebody who's in a crisis. So it's almost like triaging your situation then, I guess, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when you think about decision-making, what does decision-making need? right, to make really good decisions that are responsive to our environment rather than reactive to our environment. I always reflect back to Viktor Frankl's quote in in his book, A Man's Search for Meaning. And I may not get it completely right, but between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies growth and freedom. But what do you need? You need time and you need space. So when you think about time and space, what can you do as a leader in an organization to give yourself that time and space? And some of that comes from organizational structure, organizational process, planning and perspective. So when I work with teams, some of the questions that I ask are mission and purpose. Does everybody on the team understand the mission and purpose of the organization? Is there an overall team intent? What about roles and responsibilities? Does everybody know what they're supposed to be doing and what they're responsible for? And oh, by the way, what about expectations? Are they explicit or are they implicit? Because how can anybody know what they're supposed to do if, they're, if the expectations are not explicit? And we talk about reality a lot, Mac. And my question is always, is there a shared consciousness of reality on your team from the top down and from the bottom up? And is there a strategic and tactical alignment of priorities? And then is there focused action based on those priorities, based on that shared consciousness of reality, and based on the roles and responsibilities of the people on that team? And then the the other part is, is there some sort of structured reassessment process? So you can actually look at it and say, okay, you know what? We did really good here. We didn't do all that well right here. Why? And is it because people in terms of their, they might be on the bus, but they might not be in the right seat? Or is it a process piece that we have to improve our process? Well, you know what? Maybe we just have a bad plan or do we need to consider our perspective? Maybe we're actually not in the right headspace and we're not thinking about it the right way. So you've given us almost a, I guess, almost a checklist. Is it best? I mean, is it is now? So let's again, let's let's 
timestamp this today. We still don't know what COVID is going to do. And on top of that, we have civil unrest all over. Um, a friend of mine that talks a lot about astrology says there's going to be like four major events this year. I'm, I suspect we've had two. I don't know what the next two are. Right. Knowing all the uncertainty is now a good time to build this culture, I guess, that you've described. Or should we, we wait for things to calm down so we can kind of all get on the same page? What do you think? Well, in my opinion, where you need to start is going all the way back to what matters and what you can control, right? Because when we think about what we can control as individuals, as leaders, we can control our attitude. We can control our effort. We can control our behavior and our actions. And if you focus on that and you put your energy your focus and your effort on the things that matter, you're going to make progress. So it goes back. You asked uh, earlier what, you know, my ideal client, mm -hmm. action orientation. And I, I hate to, as, as a retired naval officer, I and I use the word hate, you know, kind of comically, I hate to have to quote an army general. But, <laughs> uh, you know, General Patton talked about a good plan violently executed today is far better than a perfect plan never initiated mm. because at the end at the end of the day if you start making progress and you start looking at your success criteria and the benchmarks that you have along the way and you have that structured reassessment process in place you can start making corrections as you go because you're not going to always get it right and that's why that whole fail forward thing is is so important. Because if so you in other words, yeah, so in other words, we're not going to wait till things get perfect, right? Things are never going to be perfect, Mac. Let me ask you. You know, you've been doing this podcast stuff. You've been doing this HR oxygen stuff. You've been doing this boss builder stuff for a while. When has there ever been a perfect time to do anything? Oh, well, there really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank goodness for that then, because I think that's where a lot of people that I talk to are at. Like when, when this is over with, then we're going to do this thing. You know, as soon as COVID, as soon as we have a vaccine, we're going to do this thing. But you make the case that let's just do it now. Let's just start now, right? Yeah. And with some of my clients, I, I joke around and I always ask them, you know, do you have an Amazon Prime account? And of course, they're like, why are you asking me that? And because... What I want you to do after this call is I want you to get on your Amazon Prime account, pick your favorite color and buy yourself a Nike t-shirt that says, just do it and get it delivered to your house tomorrow mm -hmm. and put it on and start, if it's okay to say, put your GS, you know, GSD bumper sticker on your car and wear your t-shirt. Mm -hmm. right? Just do it and get shit done. Yeah, I like it. That's great. Well, let me ask you one more question, Dennis. And I've been asking this of a lot of my guests over the past few months. This is for for everybody. This has been a pretty tough year. I think if you know you're you've been sick or you've had family members sick and have died from this, your year is is even worse. But I think one group that we've kind of looked at and we feel sorry for them, and then now we're moving on is the graduating senior from either high school or college who basically started this year, like, you know, I guess it would have been August of 19 of uh, 2019 thinking, man, this is the year, man, I got the world by the balls right now. This is awesome. 
And then halfway through, we got to go do virtual classes. If you're a high school senior, there's no prom, there's no walkthrough. And now for the graduating college senior, there may not even be a job right now. And everything you had looked forward to for 18 or 22 years is over within a few months. So from a guy that helps people through transition and helps people push forward and get shit done, what advice would you give that person if they're listening today? Well, I think about it in terms of resilience, Mac. And uh, there's a lot of definitions out there. And it's a word that I think that's used a little too often these days. But resilience is the ability to recover from or adjust easily to adversity, misfortune, or change. But there's also a second part to that definition. And to move in a positive and productive direction. And my advice to seniors, whether it's high school seniors or college seniors, is what do you need to do to identify what matters to you, what you're passionate about, and the problems that you want to solve? Because that's all about spiritual wellness. That's all about having a sense of purpose and developing a sense of purpose. And why is having a sense of purpose important? Because it provides mental endurance and it provides mental toughness. And I was I was really lucky to hear a leadership speaker series with um, with a uh, fellow Naval Academy graduate, you know, Coleman Ruiz, about a month ago. And I thought his definition of mental toughness was spot on. And he said, mental toughness is when your commitment to purpose, your commitment to your objective, is always greater than your commitment to your personal comfort. Mm. And having that and then developing, I like to call it your resistant, you, you know, your resilience formula and spending time on four things, mind, body, tribe, and why. The why is what I just talked about, mm-hmm. your sense of purpose. But what about your mind? What are you doing for your mental health? What are you doing for your mindfulness? So that way you have a greater sense of clarity a greater sense of focus, and a greater sense of creativity so you can pursue that sense of purpose. And body, you know, what are you doing in terms of a wellness routine that's going to give you that emotional and mental energy that you need, as well as the mobility and function that you want to do the things that you want to do? And then tribe, who's your tribe? And I break down tribe into two parts. One is your quick reaction force. And for those non-military folks, a quick reaction force are those people that you know will respond regardless of the issue. In a military context, you know what? They're the, they're, they're the men and women. They're kind of like the cavalry. When things go sideways, they're the ones that you call and... And they come and they fix it. And, you know, as a surface warfare officer, as a, as a ship driver, you know, we had that from a damage control perspective on ships and an anti-terrorism force protection perspective. But in life, who are those five to 10 people that will always answer your call, regardless of the subject, regardless of the time of day, and they will always give you insight, perspective, and accountability. And then your tribe the larger tribe, who are those people that give you energy, that 
provide you the opportunity to be better and do better. So who are those thought leaders that you want to connect with in the space you want to go? Who are the mentors that are doing the things that you want to do in a way that you want to do them? Who are those trusted industry experts that are doing things the right way? And then also, who are those friends that, you know what? They're the ones that when you talk to them, you're energized just by the experience Mm. and developing that close network. So that way you could always be the best version of yourself. So that that was probably a very long answer to to that question, Mac. But well, uh, there, I'm glad because I don't think there is a short answer to that question. I mean, right there, if you're listening, that was your graduation speech, and it was good, and it was I don't know, the best part. It was it was short. Most graduation speeches go on forever, but I, I think that's a great way to really sum up what you bring, Dennis. I mean, you have a just an interesting background a really unique set of skills and the experiences that really boost those up. And I mean, you've got a way of communicating those things. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. If you're listening, some of you are thinking, all right, I need Dennis to come alongside of me and help me get my act together. I'm ready to do the work. I want to know how to reach him. Others may need you to help them with um, some team transition building working and getting everybody on the same page. So if you are wondering how to get a hold of Dennis, Dennis, how do we get a hold of you? No, Mac, I appreciate it. And uh, like I said at the beginning, I truly appreciate the opportunity. And uh, the best way to get a hold of me is via LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on there probably more often than I should be uh, or via email. And uh, my email is dennis.volpe at lri.com. So Lima Romeo India.com. Or you know what? You could just give me a call. And uh, my phone number is 904-861-9155. So if you're interested in being your best self and performing better and looking for the opportunity to think differently, behave differently, and do differently, I'd, I'd love to have a conversation. It's perfect. Well, you've teed up just the, the person that needs to give you a call. So if you're listening, definitely let's not wait. Things are not going to get back to normal anytime soon, if ever. So why wait? Reach out to Dennis. Dennis, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us this morning. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Mac. And I look forward to uh, being connected with you on a, on a more regular basis. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. (laughs) 